live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my very good friend, Mr. Mitchell Santaga in beautiful British Columbia. Mitchell, how are you? Of course, good. You know, always broadcasting live from the Gurkha Cigar Studios here in beautiful British Columbia. And folks, don't forget to always head over to your local BNM, our favorite online shop, and check out Gurkha's brand new offering from the Ghost Series, the Gurkha Ghost Connecticut. And uh, yeah, I'm doing great today. It was not uh, the most beautiful day, but uh, you know, I'm glad to be here enjoying a cigar. This is actually my first cigar in a week because uh, I got sick again. It was a small, minor little. Uh, just sinus infection, and uh, I just really wanted to to get through it. I probably could have had a cigar a couple of days ago, but um, you know when you get those sinus infections and you you just really don't want to irritate them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been there so many times, and, and the thing that sucks is I like I still want to smoke my cigars no matter what, and uh, yeah. but but I also know like I'm like ah, I don't want to push it. Um, there's been a few times where I've I've tried to brave it, and then I'm like I just feel like trash. I end up wasting a cigar. Um, exactly. <laughs> it, it sucks. And I hate being sick. Um, it's a, it's also one of my first thoughts. Is like, especially when it's anything like like a cold or a sore throat or sinus. Or the first thing I think I'm like, fuck, this is gonna impact my cigar smoking. Uh, nothing <laughs> else. Nothing else. Uh, I'll I'll go to work, whatever. But it's like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I know I'm messed up. Um, but that's why I'm here. That's how it is. So what you're saying is it wasn't it was not a beautiful day in British Columbia. No. Um, you were you had a review that went live today for those who didn't see it on SmokingTobacco.com. Uh, you did a review on the J.C. Newman Black Diamond Emerald. Um, yes. So you can head over to SmokingTobacco.com to check that out and read all about it. it was a, uh, it was Definitely a take a read on that one. Yes. Yeah, it was yes. a good review. Uh, we're also we're still. As always, we're running our Cigar Family Channel Foundation fundraiser. Um, we are up to almost 14000 and I think we have just a little over 20 days to go. Um, there's going to be some new stuff being added once again. Uh, some prizes from Boveda, some samplers from Arturo Fuente with some very rare, good, good, unobtainium, as uh, Matt Booth would say. Obtainium. Um, yeah, so there's a lot. Of, I mean, and, but there's already a lot of great prizes. I think this might be kind of the end of the additional prizes, um, unless you know something kind of pops out of nowhere. I think this is kind of the end. Uh, but still, I mean, when you look at the full list, there's a lot of awesome stuff on there. So um, if you head to, uh, is it go? Dot, I think it's go. rallyup.com slash smoking tobacco 2023, uh, or if you visit smokingtobacco.com and you look for our fundraiser tab on our website, you can find it for 2023. You can visit the page. You know what? One one might say that this uh, this list of prizes would be epic. It is epic. Thank you, Mitchell. Word of the week. Word of the week. Epic. Word of the week. It is epic. Thank you for that. Way to way to way to add some some flavor in there. I like that. Yeah, it is epic. I mean, it's you know, it's a list of prizes that I don't think many other things like it that have been done. Or there's not many like it that have been done that I've seen like in, in its form. Yeah. Um, the way we do it, um, but you know when you kind of expand that and but other raffles or contests or even the giveaways and stuff like that you see on social media, um, there's really not anything that's really like it. And the list of prizes that are in it combined, 
Uh, it is truly unique and it is epic. So it don't don't miss out on it. Uh, and it goes to such a great cause too. So um, we really can't say enough about the cause. It's just we, we can't. I we feel can't. like we're I feel like we're just like you know attacking you with with this. But uh, yeah, you really just can't say enough. You know, it's, it's well. Here's the uh, other thing too. Here's the other thing too. Every year, I get to the end, and we get to the total. We celebrate. We do the show. Announce all the winners. Da, 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 da. So, about a week or two, during the week or two after that, I always get so many messages. Hey, how do I get to the raffle? And I'm like, it's over. And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, we ran it for like six weeks. It's and, been like a month and a half. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I know. I saw the link. but And I'm like, you missed out. And I tell people, I'm like, don't miss out because they always, yeah. there's always a, there's always a group that comes to me and they're like, ah, oh, and I'm like, you missed out. Like we ran it for so long. Like, you know, I, I, you know, pretty much harassed people online just to get in there and you missed out. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so don't miss out because you don't want to be one of those people. I'm warning you now. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to give, I'm trying to give everyone this fair warning. Don't miss out. Get your tickets now. Uh, it's unlimited amount of tickets. You can buy as many as you want. It's not like it's going to sell out, but just, but, you know, don't wait. Um, but no, if you do wait, we'll send you passive aggressive gifts online. If you if you do wait, I'm gonna ha I'm gonna have Alan Rubin fill your your DMs uh, <laughs> with nonsense. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so, anyway, um, speaking of McAuliffe cigars, we have uh, our friend Andy Yaffe who has been on the show a few times. He's joining us here tonight, making his return to the Smoking Tobacco Show. Let's bring him on board. Andy, how are you? Good. How are you guys tonight? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited to be on again. It's been, we were talking about this before we went live, that it's been over a year mm -hmm. uh, since I've been on your show. Uh, it was Great Smoke last year was the last time I was on. And Just I February? felt like it's been such a long time because, yeah, February. The first couple of years that you were doing this show, I felt like a, a regular guest. So You're almost I'm, like I'm the co-host. No, I, I can't say that. I mean, Carney is, is, was doing a great job back in the day. Uh, I was just, you know, somebody that was interesting to interview, I guess. <laughs> it, it's funny because Carney, Carney was the original co-host. Um, yeah. And he, he really was. Carney, you know, and we don't talk about it. We, I mean, we mention his name a lot on this show for obvious reasons. But, you know, on a serious note, when you talk about Carney, you know, I – can't take all the credit for this show. This really was from the very beginning. This was John's idea. John came up with the idea of, hey, hey let's do a show. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I got this broadcast software. You know, and anyone who knows Carney, like they know how he sells you on something. So like Andy, who went to college with Carney, knows how he is. Um, and most of the people who listen to the show have interacted with him enough. Like Andy, you know. When he gets an idea and he gets all excited and he like sells it to you, and, and, and he ends and he ends every point with, "Oh, bro, it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be intense. It's gonna be intense." <laughs> and that was what I was sold. It's gonna be intense. I get this broadcasting software. Oh, it's gonna be intense, dude. I, I get it all hooked up. It's gonna be intense. Okay, all right, I believe you. And as Andy knows, and most of our longtime listeners know, uh, the first show did not go as well. Uh, it didn't go as planned. Uh, was Carney, not Carney, Carney was up there with some egg on his face, and uh, his broadcast just dropped out. Uh, but you know, we kept going with it, and that's why we're here today. So, but no, uh, Carney is. Uh, that's why he's so important here, because while he's not with us every week anymore, 
uh, he he was the critical part of getting this show started, and I can't thank him enough for that. How many shows are you at? Do you count these? Like, what are you at? Do you know? I'll be honest with you. I don't really count the episodes on this one. We count the spare notes ones for some reason, uh, and I think we're up to thirty-five on that one. I think that's a cute thing. But um, that's a great question. Well, I can kind of figure it out. I can kind of figure it out because if I go to hold on one second, un momento por favor for our listeners in en español. Um, well, how about let's uh, let's talk about what. Uh, what we're smoking today and uh, who our cigars are brought to you by. Yeah, Mitchell, why don't you, uh, why don't you get us going with that? Our cigars are once again brought to you by twoguyscigars.com. If you head over to the number twoguyscigars.com, you can find an amazing selection of cigars from around the industry. Almost every name available is on there. Not every single one, but almost all of them. Uh, an epic collection of brands only at the number twoguyscigars.com. Uh, Andy, what are you smoking? So I am smoking a Herencia Habano in a Toro shape, one of my favorites from our portfolio. Nice uh, San Andreas Habano wrapper on this. And, yes, you can get this cigar on the number two, two guys cigars. <laughs> of course. Nice. Of course. Yeah. I am smoking. Uh, I just I just got to the second band, but uh, it's Riata. Riata Robusto. Yeah. Oh, the new one. Nice. Yeah. How did you get that already? Oh, I don't know. He knows don't a know. guy. How, I know a guy. <laughs> okay, okay. He, he, he knows I, a guy. I, earlier today, it's I like that Robusto size a lot in that blend. Yeah, the extra fillers, uh, I think, are adding a bit of complexity. I think I've had the Riata. What's what's the smaller ring gauge? Is it a almost like a Corona or something like the that? The Corona Extra. Corona is what we call it. It's a 6x46. I yeah, love that size. So, That's a um, big size. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding this uh, with with the extra fillers, adding a little bit more nuttiness to it for me at least. Um, mm. It's definitely a little bit more complexity, especially through this middle part. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. It's burning really well. Ash is beautiful, and uh, yeah, Matt, what uh, what have you decided, or have you even lit up this I evening? Have. I have. I am smoking the McAuliffe A Robusto. Um, another new cigar, um, which I'm enjoying in this size as well. Um, I like the smaller formats in this blend, and I have to say this one's really good. The little, the lowercase a has a great yeah, cigar. It's even smaller, um, but this one also is awesome in this size. The, re- the reason I love the A Robusto is it brings that flavor of the lowercase a, but you get a little bit more of a smoke out of it. Because the lowercase a, I love that cigar, but the problem is you're done with it in 40, 45 minutes, unless you're crazy and you smoke longer or shorter. And then you got, you, you're you like, what do I do next? You got to light up another one where the Robusto kind of doubles the amount of time that you're smoking that blend. And the Robusto A has, has quickly become my favorite out of the A line uh, since I've been smoking them this year so far. But you both guys have new Vitolas that just came out this week, actually. So this is the first week that the retailers out there can get their hands on these cigars. So you're kind of teasing a lot of the public today. That's what we're here for. That's why we're here. That's yeah. our job. You know, it's uh, we gotta gotta build the hype. You know, um, gotta bring the excitement. Gotta bring something new, right? Gotta bring the gotta bring the flash. Gotta bring yeah, the flash. I, uh, yeah, that uh, that new A's that 
it's a, it's a good scare too. You know, we're so, sure. are, are you going to be reviewing these? I can't remember. Yes, I'm actually uh, I'm typing up the review. It should uh, it should go live in a week or two. Sweet, sweet. That's yeah. going to be awesome. And, uh, of, of the A Robusto or both or A Robusto. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I, I have to say I'm I'm excited with this. You know, one of the things that you know McAuliffe did. Oh, actually, hold on one sec. Sorry, um, before I forget, before we get too excited. Um, we're cutting and lighting our cigars. Once again, brought to you by Cigar Blondie Accessories. I have the double guillotine cutter right here, as well as the flat blade flame from CigarBlondie.com. Available in three finishes, chrome, white, and black. Um, sorry, back to my other point. So, Andy, one of the things that McAuliffe did last year um, was you guys repackaged and rebranded, so to speak, all of your cigars um, to be a little bit more uniform i would say they're all kind of more similar now versus they all had their own design individually and now they're all kind of um a little more uniform across all the lines um Mm -hmm. kind of reorganize the look how well has how well has that worked out for you guys are you finding that the ambassadors and your other customers are are finding it better they like it the retailers how's how's that been going oh absolutely it's it's gone over quite well and we're still in the process of rolling out some of this refresh and part of the refresh was putting that new crest on each of the cigars with that blue red, uh, that blue and red and gold across oh, the beautiful. line. Another part was having the white Vista on the back of the box. The Yeah, you got it right there. The retailers love the white Vista because it pops on the shelf. It shows up a lot easier than the black did. One of the ways that, you know, it hit me one day when I was sitting at a shop that, we had shelves and the shadow from the shelf was kind of covering the boxes of our brand and the black one from across the room, I could not make out what that cigar was. I could not make out the McAuliffe Crest where the white one from one of our new boxes, you could see that quite clear and there was no mistaking that it was a McAuliffe cigar box. So that has done wonders for us as far as being able to identify our brand on the shelf. And that was part of the whole uniformity, too, with the legacy line, uh, getting everything looking the same. That way, when you are looking for cigars in a cigar shop and you come across our brand, there's no mistake that it is McAuliffe Cigars. And, you know, it's definitely we're definitely seeing it help with our brand awareness and visibility on our consumer shelves. As far as the ambassador is concerned, they love the fresh new look. I mean, there's there's not much you can't like about it. That gold pops. And then we all have the secondary band on all of our blends that identify the blend that that cigar has. And we put the different color on it. Yeah, the Riata's got the silver. Uh, the Horencia's got the green. Magdalia, we went with a white uh la crema is more of a bluish tealish so they're definitely doing a uh, you know it's definitely doing a better job of helping us identify yeah that's the mcdalia right there identify the cigars uh that we're bringing to you in a uniform way and it's helping us become more identifiable yeah i think that's great i think i i i find that it's better look i guess so i don't i don't want to say that like the old way was trash right but uh it wasn't it, it, it was actually nice i mean i did like the original bands and stuff they were all different colors and stuff like that and i thought it was great but at the same time i also see and i understand and i kind of find myself now where 
there's more of a uniformity to it. The boxes are fresher. Um, a lot of they still have the like the rustic raw wood on the outside, but in the inside, you're right with the with the Vista inside the lid. Um, especially when you talk about being on a shelf in a cigar store, boxes are usually open with the lid. You, the inside of the exactly. box is what really grabs people uh, when they're shopping. Exactly. So, hundred percent, I think that's a great move. Um, I know a lot of times we talk about packaging in the industry. Some people just kind of like, eh, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, who cares? But, you know, packaging does play a big role in selling cigars and buying cigars, whether people realize it or not. <laughs> another, thing, another thing that we try to focus on with our new branding and our new packaging is having shelf-friendly boxes. So most of our boxes now are either we have 20 counts, 24 counts, and 25 counts in boxes of different uh by uh different blends that we have but they're all going to be that five wide uh four or five deep on the box that way you're not taking up a lot of shelf space for our for our retailers that have limited shelf space in our humidor i mean the number one thing as a seller that i hear in cigar shops that they complain about when it comes to bringing in a new a new brand or a new line or trying it is shelf space. I don't have enough humidor space. So we want to make sure that we're not obnoxious with our box sizes on their shelves to where, you know, it's not taking up too much space. The only one that's going to remain is the Leenda and the Leenda in the coffins, the old Leendas, the number right. one, number two ones that have been around for years, that's still going to remain in that 10 wide box. A lot of that has to do with just the presentation of the cigar itself with the coffin and it just grabs your attention. It would be a little bit more difficult to put it in a smaller box, but you know, are we probably still, get to. It. Are they Go still ahead. in the Are they still in the coffins? So we have the number one and the number two that are still in coffins. Those are the legacy blends and cigars that have run through the Gomez Sanchez family for you know a couple generations now. This month, actually, we have started releasing a new Vitola in both of those blends in a Toro and Robusto that are outside of the coffins. And the okay. main reason we did that is we love this blend so much. We want to share it with as many people as possible, but not everybody has the ability to buy, you know, 15 to $20 cigars all the time. We wanted to be able to share that blend with our consumers in a, in a, you know, more affordable setup for uh, them to try. And that's why we came out with the Robusto and Toro outside of the coffin and those are also going to be in those 25 count shelf friendly boxes okay currently they're only available for anyone that's doing a mcauliffe event we haven't officially released it to the public it's only for our retailers that want to do an event they're allowed to bring it in right now and feature that new that new vitola of that blend uh it's kind of our reward to them but you will see it available to everybody a, a little later in the springtime for you know for you know everybody to enjoy but yeah they're the number one and number two are not going anywhere uh that's a very very special cigar for us and the gomez sanchez family we're just trying to make it a little bit easier for consumers to try the blend with the toro and robusto so last year you know we saw the repackaging and um the rebranding so to speak this year we're seeing uh, some more line extensions from your brands, you know, with these two cigars that we're smoking, we're talking about Leanda. Um, are you guys preparing to come up with new lines 
entirely at all this year. It's a good possibility. Good possibility. Maybe something for PCA. I got to You know, it's almost PCA time, so I got to start getting the teasers in. You know. You got to Yeah, yeah. I, you're doing your job. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's great. I'm just gonna leave it at it's a good possibility. That's okay. All I can say. All right. That's fair yeah, enough. Bullers are con, are concerned. We realized when we came onto the scene. There was that FDA nonsense that was going down where everybody was scared that you weren't going to be able to come out with new blends without jumping through a million hoops and paying millions of dollars to be able to come out with something. So when we joined with the Gomez Sanchez family, they had all of these blends and all of these Vitolas already on the market. So we brought that into our portfolio just in case we had to deal with the FDA situation. We have these things grandfathered in well you know we've all come to realize that those rules are a little bit more lax than what we initially feared so part of the process over the last year or so and we're going to continue to do this is to bring out more traditional sizes of our blends for the consumer market to enjoy because it's a little bit you know it's a little bit more identifiable and it's a little bit more popular for the consumers to pick up a toro and robusto compared to a churchill or torpedo so that's the the main pro the main thought process behind some of these new robustos that are coming out and uh, i will say and i'll tease a little bit we're not done with releasing some of the robustos i don't know when you'll see more but you will see more in the future from our blends because we realize that's what the consumers want to smoke yeah, you know, the Robusto is one of those sizes that I feel is kind of a classic size. It's a mainstay size. Uh, when you talk about certain brands that have been around a long time, certainly popular brands, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times I see a lot of those brands being popular in the Robusto size. Um, yeah. And it, it's, like, it's like the Churchill size. I mean, right now, in church, it's kind of like, I don't, what's a good analogy for this? Um, it's kind of like, uh, all right, I have one that might work. It's kind of like yellow gold. So I used to work in the jewelry business like years and years ago. Um, and yellow gold is interesting because it's yellow gold. Everybody knows gold. But it like kind of comes and goes. It's timeless, but it comes and goes. So like there'll be a period where yellow gold, people want to wear yellow gold, and it comes in. And then it goes away, and people want to wear white gold and platinum. And then after a little while, yellow gold comes back. And it's kind of like the same thing with some of those, like, mainstay Vitolas that have been around a long time. Uh, it's like they, they get hot, and people enjoy them, and then they kind of fade out for a little while. Uh, they don't go away. People still make them. People still buy them. But then all of a sudden, they come back, and they get real hot again. And then they kind of go away, and people kind of get wrapped up in these other – like, three years ago. We were talking before the show um, about the pandemic and stuff. Three years ago. I remember three years ago when we first started the show um, – six by sixties at the time were popular. And I remember there was a lot of six by sixties and I was smoking a lot of them. And then all of a sudden they just kind of quieted down and they went away. Uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of like that, but you know, the Robustos and the Churchills, they always seem to be there. They always come back. Toros, especially, I mean, Toros are a little bit more, I feel like Toros don't really ever go away. They're kind of always in style. Um, but yeah, for sure. The Robustos is the mainstay size. And to have that in your line, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge win for yeah. any manufacturer. Exactly. And I mean, just to piggyback off of what you were talking about, I've been in the industry now for, this is going on my ninth year That's in right. the cigar industry. And I've seen 
like you said, these ebbs and flows with these different sizes, the six by 60, seven by 70 craze that was going on for several years in the beginning of my tenure in the industry is now starting to calm down a little bit. We're starting to see more people go towards back towards those traditional sizes. The Churchill's a very, that's more of a traditional Cuban size. Uh, yeah. That's been, it's been around for, for decades. Unfortunately, the Churchill will still, a lot of rookie smokers will shy away from smoking a Churchill. They think it's a little bit, an odd size, a little bit too long, a little bit too like kind of like overwhelming with the Gordo. Uh, what they see is that price point, that perception that they're getting more bang for their buck because it's a 70 ring gauge and it's the same price yeah. as yeah. the Churchill. So they're more, they're more liable to pick that up over the Churchill. One thing that we've noticed at McAuliffe and what I've noticed just being in the field over the last couple of years is I'm seeing a, a, a a surge in popularity on smaller cigars. And it started with some of these five packs that, you know, I Tatawahe came out with some of their, their five packs and surrogates and that kind of thing. And now like you got the Papa Fritas, the Petite Lenox is another popular one. Yep. I'm seeing more and more of these small cigars and we've actually had great success with our small cigars over the last few years with the Petite Magdalia, the lowercase a and that was part of the thought process with coming out with the Magdalia Special Edition and that laundry size, the 5 by 40 and coming out with the Collector's Edition last year in that 5 by 40 format uh, for everybody to try. We feel like we're kind of heading, there's kind of a, uh, a path that's being made right now towards smoking smaller cigars. And I see it, you know, day to day out there just in the market that people are craving that smaller size. Uh, and I don't know if it's money conscious. I don't know if it's, it's probably more time conscious than anything. People don't have a lot of time to sit down and smoke cigars, but they want to have a good cigar. So they're going to grab one of the smaller ones to add to their, uh, add to their portfolio of cigars that they picked. I think they're still picking the Robusto and Toros, but they're adding the smaller cigars for that lunch break or that 20 minutes before they go to bed type deal uh, to have a cigar. So sure. we're trying to figure out how to uh, capture that audience with some of the smaller Vitolas that we've been coming out with over the last couple of years. And and we've had quite success with with each one of those. For me, it's, it's great. Like, say you already had a Toro Robusto, but you've got a little bit of that extra time. Like, you know, you're looking at, you know, maybe you're going to have like a two hour smoking time and you don't want to like just go with one blend. You can you can try something new in a smaller Vitola to to dip your toes into it and go, oh, wow, I really like this. Maybe let's try something longer or even like sit down and do a night where you're like, oh, I'm going to try like three different blends back to back to back. And you don't feel like your palate's being burned out and you don't feel like you're committing to like, you know, three, four hours of smoking cigars all night long. And like yeah. you said, the flavor's there, the price point's there. And uh, I think people are just starting to realize that a lot more as, you know, they keep just smoking Toro Robusto. They're like, oh, it's great to just have this, you know, little burst of flavor in a yeah. nice short amount of time. And I can still enjoy that Toro Robusto, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we came out with the collector's edition last year is we wanted the consumers to be able to taste through our different blends in that small format. And, you know, with hopes of, hey, I really like this Riata in that small format. 
I'm going to go to the store and pick up the Toro, or I'm going to now go get the Robusto and try that out. And that's going to be, you know, it's, it's a sample size basically. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And we've had good, we, like I said, we had great feedback on the collector's edition blends that we put out. Did um, the collector's edition, that was a one and done, correct? So there's a common misconception out there that that was a one and done. No, it is a regular production set. It is. I don't know if you ever saw one, Matt. When we first came have to one. the scene, look, collectors are what I'm getting at is when we first came to the scene, we had that sampler in that glass top box. Oh, okay. That had 16 cigars in it across, and they were all the traditional sizes that the Gomez Sanchez family came. Glass top box. The problem was they weren't cellophane. If you shook the box, they shook around. Most of the time, they showed up damaged to an account. But if they came out good, retailers and consumers loved having that sampler set of the whole line. So we came up with the collector's edition also as a replacement for that sampler. So that way, now we have a sampler set of our blends for you to smoke through and get to know McAuliffe. And also, it's at affordable price to where we could take it to an event. It's an easy box purchase at an event. And, you know, you get to try, you know, one of the big things about it is you get to try the Reserva blend in that little petite uh, Corona, which is a, you know, the Toro size of that is a $40 MSRP cigar. And you're getting it in that set. You're getting two of them in that set. So, right. no, it's not a one-time deal. It is a uh, regular production item that we plan on having for years to come. I think it's great. Awesome. Uh, I loved it. We, you know, we got one when they first came out. Um, I like that size a lot. You know, when the, the Medallia Special Edition came out, that was a size that Nicole and I really enjoyed. Um, and that Lonsdre size. When the Collector's Edition came out, I thought it was really neat. Um, I really liked a lot of those cigars. And th there was a few where I, 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 I didn't like in the small size. I just didn't think it worked. But... Uh, for the most yeah. part, they were really enjoyable, and I liked how small it was. Um, and I think it's great. I think it's great, especially for someone who's new to the brand or even just someone who's new to cigars in general. It's a nice variety yeah. of small cigars someone could buy, not very expensive. They can smoke through them all. They can kind of figure out what they like, you know, whether it's McAuliffe cigars or it's just, you know, f just general the generalization of just flavor profiles and types of wrapper and tobaccos and stuff like that. Um I think it was yeah, a one of the, run. Yeah, one of the cool things uh, also that we did is in each one of those boxes, there's a card that goes through each one of the blends that are in the box. Yeah. talks about the binder wrapper filler and some of the tasting notes of that particular cigar. So that way a beginner could pick up that collector's edition and, and like you said, go through the different blends of the different cigars and kind of decide, oh, I, you know, I really like this one. What blend is that? What am I tasting? What kind of tobacco am I really enjoying here? Oh, I can look at this card and know exactly what is in that blend and why I like it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I don't know why I thought it was a one and done, but now that I know that it's not, I'm definitely going to be looking for more. Yeah, a lot um, of people thought, you know, when you put collector edition on there, I, I think some people took that limited. as one as it's yeah that it's limited but i uh, no it is we we plan on we plan we have some still in stock and we plan on making more that's great that's great 
I th like I said, I think that's worked for you. And that's one of the things, it, there's a handful of things that McAuliffe has done in the last year or so um, that I think were great moves. Uh, that was one of them. The rebanding was, was, is another one. Uh, I'm, I like to, I like that you guys are releasing more other Robustos now, and it's, it's nice to hear mm -hmm. that you're going to continue to do so. It sounds like, uh, with maybe some yeah. of your other blends as well. Uh, I think that's great. I think, again, I think it's a great size to have. I think it'll sell well. I think a lot of people, uh, I meet a lot of people and they're, they're, they just smoke Robustos, whether it's whatever brand or whatever blend, that's just the size they like in general. Um, I know it's a popular size. I, I think it's great that you guys are going to have that available um, across your lines. Uh, so I look forward mm -hmm. to seeing those coming out. The, um, oh, sorry, I had something like in the chamber ready to go. And I just, I lost <laughs> it. I hate when that happens. Um, well, we saw, well, first of all, we saw you guys at the trade show last year, right? Uh, you guys mm -hmm. hadn't been at the trade show in a few years. You guys did come back. Um, I assume we'll see you guys again at PCA this year. Yes. We are, we are set up to be there this year as well. Uh, we'll have a little bit different uh, footprint this year as well, a different location in the trade show floor than last year. But we are 100% supportive of the PCA. And one of the common misunderstandings about us and not being at the PCA in 2021 and saying that we weren't going to be there in 2020, it was nothing against the PCA. Uh, we are very, very happy and proud of what they do for the industry and how they fight for cigar rights and all that good stuff that they do. We felt like it would have been an embarrassment to us to be at the trade show in 2020 if there was one, because we felt like we didn't have a true identity to go out there and show off or sell. And we wanted to get together, kind of rebuild our company and create an identity that we were proud of showing off at a trade show like the PCA. And right. that was the main reason we backed out of it. it. It wasn't to say, you know, screw you to PCA or anything like that. There was a lot of people that thought that was our mentality and it definitely was not. We just were not confident enough in ourselves to be able to be at a trade show and show off our brand. So that was a lot to do with scaling back from the PCA and reinventing ourselves and creating an identity that last year we felt we were comfortable enough in going back to the PCA and showing off. And this year we're, we're even more confident in what we can show off at the PCA. So we are very, very excited to go back in a couple months to the PCA and, uh, and, you know, share with you guys the cool stuff that we're doing at McAuliffe. Yeah, absolutely. We look forward to it. And, you know, Mitchell and I will be there as well as the rest of the team. Um, not Nicole, but the rest of us will be there. Uh, so we look forward to even, coming by. Even if we decide to talk her into the C-section on the floor? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. I'm still pushing. I'm still pushing, man. M Mitchell asks me every day, and I'm like, no, not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just happy that she's – her due date is – just far enough away from the show that I probably yep. most likely won't have to worry about being there and then getting that phone call. Um, yep. So I can at least deal with that. And then I can be done uh, with travel uh, for the rest of the year while I deal with a newborn child. Um, so that's like my, that's my last trip for the year. Cause after that, I mean, she's due in August. So uh, I'm done. I'm done. Um, 
We talked about maybe going on uh, a, uh, what did you call it? Like a baby moon? I didn't even know about this concept. Uh, she's like, yeah, you know, like a baby moon. It's like that last trip you take, like when you're pregnant before, it's like too far along when like you can't travel anymore. It's like that one last trip. Oh, so it like, happens while you're pregnant. Yeah. It's like your oh. last hurrah. Okay. Yeah. Before you get too big and you're too far along and you really shouldn't be traveling. Uh, so we talked about maybe going somewhere uh, next month. I don't know if we've decided on that or not but other than that like july for pca and then that's it so uh until the beginning of next year when there's a lot going on and that's the when next, it's the pca again <laughs> when it's when it's when it's tpe pca poor sabor pro cigar um tas yes oh, but we don't go to that anyway um but like there's other factory tours that like we're trying to schedule for like everything happens in January and February and it sucks and Coop to great smoke to yeah to, to to great smoke to Coop's credit Coop covered this really well, um, you know he he wrote a whole piece on it and, and we've talked about it in spare notes uh, on last Saturday's show whenever the last one was, um, yeah it's just it it's tough because I think that the biggest part of the beginning of the year, um. I think should be for the festivals and factory tours and stuff like that, because that is the prime time to go to a farm and a factory. Um, yeah. It's when all the tobacco is fully grown. Um, it's out in the field. That's, you know, they're harvesting. The, that's the time you go. You know, you don't like I've been to factories. I've been to farms. There's nothing when there's nothing there. And it's cool, but it's like, you know, there's no tobacco in the field. It's like, OK, um, you want to see that's in action. Yeah, you want like you, you want to you know you want to see the sizzle. You know what I mean? I mean it's uh, so when you put all these other things, you know, people are going to be selective with their travel, right? So uh, especially you know, PC, I mean, I get the move to, for PCA, and I and I get it, and I hope it helps and whatever because I I want the PCA show to thrive. Um, you know, you get TPE there. You know, having TPE and PCA like two months apart, that's going to be a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I am, in defense of PCA, they really shouldn't care what TPE is or what they're, exactly. when they're doing, like they're, they're focused on themselves. They're not right. They should be playing around TPE. And, you know, it has changed. They, they came out, they said it's going to be in March now. And a lot of manufacturers and retailers were pushing for it to be in an earlier part of the year, you know, maybe not necessarily March, uh, but earlier than July in Vegas or wherever it's going to be. Cause July is going to be miserable to travel to 75% of the country if you're going to be outside in the heat. But they they did what they had to do to appease, you know, the masses. And you're always going to find some people that complain about it. There's a lot going on in Q1 next year. I'm excited about the move. I really am. And most of the retailers that I talk to are excited about the move. I worry that it's going to damage a little bit the PCA this summer now that they've already announced this. And I've also worried a little bit about the spring being a wonky trade show because of manufacturers not really having enough time to prepare for it. Right. Uh, so I hope there's no knee jerk reactions around the outcomes of the next two shows. And we see what happens in 2025, but well, you know, it, it is what it is. We'll have to see what happens. But I agree with you. There's a lot going on in that first quarter for everybody. And it's going to be very interesting to see the energy level of the PCA in March. It really is. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point. You know, you have the show in July. People already know the next one's now in March. 
So you got, what is it, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. You got like eight or nine months, right? Not even yeah. a full year until the next one. So it's like you have people who are, whether it's retailers buying or manufacturers bringing stuff well, to the I've show. Well, I've heard, heard some retailers that were planning on going this summer change their mind and say now they're going to skip this summer and go in March. So yeah. I worry worry if that's going to be a, a big thing a big problem or not for this year's uh, trade show uh, time will tell. And, you know, another thing that I worry about too, is we all know it takes about 18 to 24 months for you to plan a brand new blend and cigar to come out to the market. True. So yeah. everybody, you know, most manufacturers today know what they were planning on releasing. If the trade show was in July next year in 2024, and now it's moved up what four months so you can't you can't just like speed up the tobacco process like it's not going to happen so there's going to be a lot of interesting situations in march of next year to where hey this is what we're coming out with this year but you're not going to be able to get it till the till the summer um what i hope for is that they're like i said i hope there's no knee-jerk reactions because i do believe in the long run spring is the best time for the pca to be at and there's there had to be an adjustment period at some point, no matter what they did. Yep. So if if they're if it's going to be next year, let's get it over with. Let's pull peel the bandaid off, and and move forward with that new plan of March because a lot of retailers are excited about getting their deals and their product in before their busy season instead of in the middle of it or uh, in some cases near the end of it, uh, and it gives them a lot more time to go through the product. So. It should be uh, it should be really interesting to see what happens. Oh yeah, for sure. It's 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 going to be an interesting. Uh, what is, what are we in April? It's going to be an interesting twelve months because you figured a year from now a second PCA show will already have passed. Um, so it's crazy. And one year from now we'll have gone through two PCA shows. Yeah, I know. And it is. I'm like I didn't think about that. No. Yeah, I'm like I'm like I'm just like. Blast. I'm like just taking that in now. Um, I'm like, oh shit, yeah. So like a year from now, two shows will have passed, and it's crazy to think about because, um, you know, it, it's that we talk about PCA, you guys as manufacturers, us as media, the retailers who go and buy, for everyone involved who plays whatever role they play, uh, it is. It's a big deal because it's a it's a it's an important show. There's a lot that goes on there. It's a lot for us to cover. It's a lot for you guys to prepare for. You know, it's a lot for retailers to prepare for what they want to spend, what they're looking for, what lines they're going to drop to bring in new stuff and vice versa. Um, it's a lot. So to, you know, to hear that retailers are already starting to kind of think ahead and be like, well, I might skip out on this year. Just wait a little bit longer. Go to the next one. Hope, like you said, hopefully that's not a, a big trend. But at the same time, I get it. Um, especially if that's going to be the showtime moving forward. It's like there'll be this wrinkle of this year, but. Also, think about all the money these guys are spending just to even go to the show. I mean, some of these small guys can't afford to do that twice in eight months. You yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> it, it's uh, like I said, it'll be interesting to see exactly what what happens over the next years. One thing I will say that I when I left the PCA last year, I was extremely happy with the way it's going. With the way the organization is going, I felt like for the first time in the shows that I have been to, there was a massive improvement over the previous time that I had been to the show. So 
yes, it's a it's a big change, but I really, really like what they're doing, and I have respect for the organization as it is today to make the you know the proper decisions for the industry going forward. And if they believe this is a proper decision, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. And I I, I agree with them, but I I have faith in the direction the PCA is going over the last couple of years and into the future. Yeah. And I, I, in, in the general sense, I feel the same way. I mean, they've made some good changes. Um, they're making a lot of effort They're They're doing a lot to try to turn some things around and, you know, in the bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, I think it was the right thing to do. I mean, it was the one thing that I, I know everyone kept talking about. They wanted to move the trade show. Well, we moved the trade show. So let's see, you know, if it actually works out, you know, everyone kept asking for an earlier trade show. Okay, well now they got one, so now let's see what happens. And of course, oh, yeah. we'll give it a year or two for the adjustment. But you know, after a couple of years, it's like should have an idea of like, okay, well, is this really the right move? You know, we moved it earlier, and you know that's what everyone wanted. And you know, I think the attendance alone should tell um, based on how many yeah. people actually show up for. And it. The, ne- the next step is going to be finding alternate cities to do it in, uh, because that's another one that. I hear all the time that retailers don't want to go to Vegas every year. So I know that the PCA has discussed different options of cities in the future. I'd, I'd like to see what they come up with uh, as far as that's concerned, too. That's true. We've already heard, you know, uh, a few rumors. You know, we're hearing New Orleans for 2025, although I know that hasn't been set in stone. That's the rumor mill that's going around. It's been talked about. It's no secret. Um I've heard a couple other cities in the rumor mill um, as possibilities, not necessarily for 25, but just in general that they'd they be interested in trying to do. Um, for example, I've heard in uh, your neck of the woods, maybe Nashville was a possibility. Uh, I heard that through the grapevine. I don't know. We'll see if that happens. Nashville would be a fantastic city to host something like that. I don't know what the setup of the convention center would be as far as them allowing smoking or anything like that, or if they're looking at a, a hotel convention center. They did it here back in the day at the Gaylord. However, the Gaylord is now anti, you know, it's smoke free now that Marriott has purchased that, that building right. or that operation. So, but I think downtown Nashville would be a, you know, I think retailers would love to come here if we can uh, somehow pull it, pull it together to be downtown. There's plenty of hotels and there's plenty of entertainment and there's a lot of stuff downtown that is smoke friendly. So I think the, uh, I think everybody that would come to that would have a blast. So what Uh, I've heard is they're looking for an exemption through uh, whether it's the state or the mayor, but they are uh, in conversations of that. I don't know if it's uh, like a possibility at this point, but it's pretty much what they're, they're asking for. Same thing with um, I think mentioned, New Orleans, uh, they're one of the only places that have come forward saying they, they are willing to work in with an exemption. Uh, for me personally, I think I think Vegas is the best. I think it it definitely gets... Logistically. Uh, logistically, in my opinion, it's, it's the best. I definitely can understand that it gets a little tiresome every year going to Vegas because it, it's Vegas. It's really... It's extremely yeah. overstimulating place. Um, you know, from a Canadian's perspective, I don't know. I, in my opinion, I think the other two best places would be either Florida or Texas. I haven't heard anything talked about with Texas, um, I, but I think it would be like a state that that would possibly be open to it. I think there's tons of retailers there, and I think the community is really growing down there. And then obviously, you know, the the Florida 
is but again trade sh like uh yeah the, the floor space i don't think they have the the capacity to hold the amount of people and the entertainment around what people do after the trade show right so um you know i'm i'm still i'm still gonna go on what i said and uh in the comments before and and i want to see it on a cruise ship you know i want to see that that's out there man i don't do that would cruises. be that would be very interesting i mean dude some it of can happen does Roger Patel still do his cruise he used to do a cruise every oh year. yeah that's right does he i don't know if i've heard them doing it after uh covid yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I'm going to message Jay again today, and I'm going to be like, dude, the cruise. You, like they, I, honestly, I think they should actually look into it. I think it's a great opportunity. Um, Can I you don't smoke know, on cruise ships? There are a, a lot of cruise lines out there. I haven't been on a cruise ship in like 20 years, so I, I, I really don't know. A lot of them have become very anti-smoking, but there's still a lot that I'm sure, again, they can get some form of exemption or figure it out with the boat. There's there's so many cruise lines out there, so many older boats. If you had 100% of your attendees there for smoking, I, I don't see why that hurts anything to let you smoke on there. Exactly. I'm sure they wouldn't allow it in the rooms, but pretty much Dude. everywhere else they would, they would just – again, yeah. So Alan Rubin asked an interesting comment, going off of Mitchell's point. Who would be the first industry person thrown overboard? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great question from Alan Rubin of all people. Um, probably Alan Rubin. No, <laughs> probably Alan Rubin. No, <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. There's a few that come to mind. Um, well, I guess after you know minus that from aside from that who's going to be the first one to actually accidentally fall overboard you know from drinking too much or something like oh, that man. i could see that well again there's a few names i could throw out there but i don't want to offend anybody because they're also people that i love very much <laughs> the easy way you know, to weed out some of the industry people we don't we don't want there <laughs> yeah there's some of them too there's some of them too i forgot about that Wow, that would be interesting. It would be. I, I feel like, let's say that happened, right? <laughs> it would be a wild experience, right? The first day Absolutely. you're on there, everyone's like, so we're really doing this. Okay. And everyone's kind of like getting excited about the idea. But halfway through, no pun intended, but the tide begins to shift. And <laughs> by the time it's over, people are like, this was a horrible fucking idea. Like... You got yeah, people who get seasick. Okay. You got the people who were like, "This sucked." <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they could bring it down to three days because yeah, it's so concentrated. Yeah, I think I think a three day cruise would actually work. Um, and uh, yeah, in, in terms of booths, uh, like Vince mentioned, booths, I think it would it would make the show not so focused on the booths. Like, obviously, people are there to do business. But it's not so much of like, oh, I'm here to show off this massive thing. It's like everyone's going to be there to sell. They're going to be there to do business. But they're going to be there to actually have a good time. And everyone will be together all the time instead of like, you know, half the industry goes to this place. And then, you know, a quarter of the industry goes over here. It's like we're all in one space, you know, uh, sharing that space. And I think one of the biggest things the PCA is constantly being uh, like – question or like criticized on is the fact that 
okay, sure, it's it's selling a business, blah, blah, blah. But like, what incentives make us want to go? Like, is it fun to go to the trade show? Is it worthwhile to go to the trade show? Both business and your time, right? Because at the end of the day, you're taking time away from your family and your business to show up to these trade shows. And a lot of people are just like, well, I don't really like, I just trying to get my deals and get out. It's like, well, you know, it, it, need, it needs to have some form of fun entertainment. And again, this year, what they've had with uh, a lot of those uh, pre-show uh, seminars, I think that's helped, you know, the documentary and mm -hmm. stuff like that, adding some entertainment value or at least some form of value. And you could do now every single night, you could do some form of, you know, talk or this or that. And there's, there's multiple avenues now for them to set up multiple venues of entertainment or value for people on a cruise ship. Again, it's pretty out there. I know, but I think, I think it would be a very interesting talking point. I don't know if logistically it's even possible, but... Uh, well, here's another I, question I, I have with that. So, you know that people go on a cruise to go to a destination and then come back. Your your point being, well, if it's on a, doing something on the cruise ship, not necessarily looking for a destination. So, would we even leave the port? Or would they go out? circle so. around and come back like how does that work like you sell us on this cruise ship thing it's like all right well i understand being on the ship for the show and you're isolated i get that part but it's like do we even leave because it's like if you're not even leaving you don't have to stay on the ship um if you do leave yeah. where do you go because then it turns into a longer trip that we don't even need you know what i mean also, the no, price, I mean, the, the cost to, to, to sail a ship is not cheap. So well, you got to think about is, these points, too. People are going to ask, like, well, what's the deal? Do we leave the port? Do we not? It it could actually possibly be cheaper. Like, trade sh like trade convention centers are so like already like very, very expensive. So I don't know. Again, I don't even know if, if it's possible. But I, I think it's just a fun, creative idea to, to play around with and the, and the theoretical idea of a trade show cruise ship you know, smoke-a-thon party. Vince said, who, yeah, would, who will be the skipper and Gilligan on a three-hour cruise? Let's see. Mm. Let's see. I nominate... I nominate... Would be what would you say, Andy? Her clots would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see her clots... I could see her clots being the skipper. If you want to go with a fun skipper, you know? Yeah. You want to go with a serious skipper, someone who's actually been in the Navy, Nick Perdomo. You know, guys actually actually gonna run the ship because he probably Everybody could. Would be for that one. Gilligan, going back to Alan Rubin. You know, <laughs> I just I feel I don't know. It just feels like a good fit. Um, you know, he was throwing some shade at Coop, so I'm gonna take Coop's side. And I'm gonna throw some shade back because uh, that's how I roll. <laughs> oh man, hey, you know, what? let's get to our let's get to our news segment really quick uh, before we. Uh, before we go too far, which is once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. Check that out. How about that? How about that cigar? Another shout out. <laughs> uh, our news is once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com today, you can sign up to become an official McAuliffe Ambassador. This week, uh, another Firecracker cigar was announced. That's right. Rojas and United Cigars announced the Street Tacos Firecracker. United Cigars is once again adding to their holiday firecracker collaborations with the addition of the Elote, I believe that's how you say it, the Elote Firecracker with Rojas Cigars for Cinco de Mayo. 
Elote is a famous Mexican dish for for more commonly known in the United States as street corn, which I love street corn. I think it's great. A small, flavorful snack comprised of a grilled corn smothered in sauce, sprinkled cheese, and cilantro. When you think of big flavor and small sizes in the cigar world, there's no equal to the Firecracker brand. This is an interesting one. Um, the, the Firecracker releases are definitely getting more and more interesting year after year. Ramp, ramping up this year for sure. There's, yeah. a, there's been a lot. And, yeah. Uh, I think I think this is actually a really really awesome brand going into the the firecracker series. You know, when you think of like street tacos, you just think, even if even though it's the elote, which is not technically a taco, it's more of this corn dish. But when you think of street taco, you just think this little powerful, you know, delicious thing that you eat in like one bite or two, depending yeah. you know how monstrous you are of an eater. I eat them in one bite, um, but uh, but yeah, it, it I think it fits perfectly right in there and. Uh, Aren't, aren't Rojas, isn't there a thing like the, the small ring gauge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're known for small ring gauges. Yeah, small so ring again, ring. it's just... Well, one thing I yeah. will say, one thing is <laughs> Uncle Larry, Sock of the Skipper. That, that's an image. That's an image. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's an image. Uh, man, I can only imagine how that would go down. <laughs> I think that's my favorite so far. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. I did not love the Street Tacos blend. Um, I, I've smoked a few of those. I, I did not love it. Um, I'm curious about this firecracker, but I, it was, it was, it was a blend that I just, I didn't love. Not that it was a bad cigar. I just, I didn't love it really at all. Um, just, it just didn't hit me at, at all really well. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'll smoke the firecracker. I'll give it a shot. I'll check it out. But, um, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely intrigued, but, um, that's kind of the only downside going into it for me is I, I didn't love the others. Um, so we'll see what happens with it. <laughs> I thought Mitchell was going to chime in. That's why I paused. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it either. I haven't tried any of the street tacos. Someone here actually just uh, brought a few back. Um, I don't know if they have any extra for me to try. It's not the the firecracker version since those just got released. But uh, right, yeah, right. I haven't I haven't had anything from Ross personally. We obviously don't get them up here yet. Or um, so. And now Alan's backpedaling. <laughs> just having fun william cooper can def so alan had said a few moments ago well coop would get seasickness like the first day and he'd be in his cabin and i'm like wow throwing shade at coop he's not even here to defend himself now he walks it back william cooper can definitely handle the rough seas any person who's been a parent can handle the seas i don't know if that really i don't know i don't know how that applies i mean seasickness is seasickness That's uh that's a, that's an interesting thought process, but okay, I'll wait till after the show because Coop's obviously not watching right now, but he'll watch this later. It'll be interesting to see his comments uh, on what he has to say. So I'm just I'm just gonna wait for that. I'm not gonna get too wrapped up in that. Saka was also that's right. I did forget Saka was in the Navy too. That is a good point. He was in the Navy, um, as was Nick Perdomo, and I don't know if there's anyone else that we know that was in the Navy, but that's true. That's true. I did forget. I always forget about that for some reason. Um, but no, yeah, still an image. It's still Steve being Steve. He's got, he's got the hat on. He's telling people to get in the lifeboats. I just, I can see it now. I can see it now. I can, I can see it now. Um, but anyway, so that's our news for the week brought to you by McAuliffe cigars as always. Uh, Andy. So one of the things that, uh, I don't want to forget to mention on the show, um, is that 
I believe I saw recently that you got engaged. I did get engaged. Yes, well, congratulations. That is cool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy uh, with this one, and I'm very excited to uh, to marry her. So I appreciate the, the, the shot out there. Absolutely. I keep tabs on you. You know, I mean, you, you've been a, you've been I'll be honest with you. You've been a little quiet on social media uh, in, in recent memory. I, I remember a few years ago I went on Facebook and I I could not see you. Um, so when you do post now, I see everything. Um, so <laughs> during COVID, when I was on, you know, on the ambassador page 24 seven with our McAuliffe news network, we did. <laughs> MNN. Yeah. The MNN. <laughs> MNN. Uh, do you, do you, you know, we've been, we've been busy, uh, getting the year together, uh, this first quarter. We, we, we have a lot that we're working on here at McAuliffe. And we're ready to, uh, you know, we just spent a lot of the time over the last few months putting it all together. And, you know, now it's time to now it's time to have a little bit of fun again. So I'm excited to be back on social media. This is actually the fourth uh, interview I've had in the last week and a half. Oh, uh, wow. Since, since coming out of hibernation. So uh, it's the fourth and the final one. I saved the best for last. But yeah, we're, we're really excited. And, you know, part of that too, I, I, I had the ability to go down to our factory a couple weeks back. That was an experience. I got to see the McAuliffe SA factory uh, firsthand and get to uh, meet some of the great individuals that are down there making our cigars for us. That was a lot of fun. So, you know, coming back from that, it's, you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go out there and, and talk. Talk about McAuliffe till I'm blue in the face. Our good buddy Andy, uh, Andy, Randy Bush, Andy, you at the annual Derby Cigar City Bash this year? Yes, I will be there. I believe it's April thirtieth, the last Saturday of the month. I will be there. Yes, Randy. Nice, 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 nice. Well, I can tell you this. I, I bet you, um, you won't be picking a date in Q1 next year because you just won't have any time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> already for the fall of this year, so oh, fall we'll get of this that year. Okay. Before uh, before all the nonsense of Q1 next year, you just gotta get it out of the way. Do it quick. Yeah, just, just you mentioned uh, you mentioned the factory. Um, I don't think like a lot of people realize McAuliffe. Like, you know, is every cigar made at your factory and like. Have you guys had your own factory since the very beginning? Well, it is now, right, Andy? Because I know you guys. Yeah. So prior, the Grande Bold line that we just retired was not made at our own factory. But currently, everything that is uh, released by us today and in the future uh, is going to be from our own factory in Esteli. And we've actually had uh, our own factory since the inception of McAuliffe Cigars. The Gomez Sanchez family prior to that had their own factory in Esteli, but the partnership with us uh, got them an upgraded factory. So yeah, we make, we make everything in house at our own factory in Esteli. It's downtown Esteli. It's a quite a large complex with plenty of room to grow and scale into uh, in the future. But yeah, everything, Everything that uh, you guys can uh, get from us today is made in our own factory by our rollers and blended by 
the Gomez Sanchez brothers. Uh, so yeah, we're very proud of that. And it is a common, uh, it is not common knowledge by a lot of retailers out there that we do have our own factory. Usually a lot of the smaller brands that come into, uh, into the market over the last few years usually are getting their cigars made for them at one of the other yeah. factories, Mr. Lee. Uh, we are you know, fortunate enough to be able to have everything made in-house. Uh, we buy our own tobacco. We just recently actually acquired some uh, land in the Condega Valley. Uh, I was going to ask growing. you guys about that in terms of farming. Yeah, we're farming our own tobacco now uh, that we'll be able to use in our future blends. Uh, mostly it'll be uh, wrapper, or not wrapper, binder filler uh, that we're getting out of the Condega Valley for multiple blends that we'll be coming out with in the future we just just now acquired that our first harvest is actually uh happening as we speak and i got a chance to kind of see that down there when i was there uh so those those that tobacco will be used in future blends but you know we get a lot of we get a lot of tobacco from mexico that's another thing that a lot of people don't know about us we use a lot of mexican habano from san andreas valley and mexican sumatra uh, which I don't see a lot of cigars out there featuring those in their wrappers. And it's something that, you know, we, we are very happy to work with. And I, I really think it gives our flavor profile something unique. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, we're excited about the future. I was going through your portfolio and I, I definitely noticed that as well. The, the San Andreas Sumatra and Habano and, and how much, uh, of the portfolio actually had it as well as I think you have what, one or two lines with the classic San Andreas is just regular um, that, that people, people know and, and uh, are familiar with, but yeah. uh, it's, uh, yeah. now at the factory, are you guys doing like pre-industry stuff like fermentation as well? Um, since you yeah. did acquire your own farm, uh, is, are you guys going to have some curing barns there or doing it at the factory as well? So we, you know, at the farm, we have a curing barn uh, that we use for all the tobacco that's being harvested out of that farm. In the factory now, we, you know, any tobacco that is being purchased, we actually go ahead with the fermentation process. So we purchase tobacco, then we unload it onto the uh, pilones, and then we are rotating it and fermenting it to the Gomez Sanchez standards that they abide by that. They've actually been going off of for 90 years now, uh, passed down from their grandfather, uh, Pedro Gomez, who was a who was a uh, renowned farmer and tobacco uh, expert in Cuba and then in Mexico. And then, you know, they settled in Nicaragua back in the 90s. <clears throat> so, yeah, we we ferment everything in house to the nice. way that we were at. And then, you know, we sort it we roll it we blend it it's all you know the whole process is done on our factory in esteli nicaragua so it's pretty impressive we got over 100 employees at that factory doing all you know everything from from collecting the tobacco to rolling it and packaging it and putting it in the boxes for the consumers to enjoy once it gets to the states yeah it sounds like McAuliffe is kind of slowly trying to become uh, as vertically integrated as as possible outside of like the farming and uh and the uh the factory do you guys also have a box factory or is there any uh is there any talks of that in the future i know that's like a big uh thing being talked about right now in the industry is just the the holdup is um always boxes right now you know people have got tobacco people are rolling 
but you know finding the wood for the boxes or even just getting them produced is uh, a constant struggle i hear all the time from people uh, do you guys uh produce any of your own boxes or planning possibly in the future not, not currently uh currently we use a company called custom trading uh that is also in the estelie area uh, they they make all of our boxes for us. They actually also make our humidors for us that we use for some of our event swag at our events. Uh, however, the box factory situation is something that we may or may we will probably be interested in as we grow. Uh, it's not yeah. you know a priority for us currently because we're just not at that point yet. But yeah, it's very attractive to have our own box factory one day. And to answer your question about the farm, it's very attractive to have our own farm one day. I mean, just financially, it makes sense. Just we're just not there yet. We have a little yeah. bit more growing to do before we can really invest in uh, those areas. But it is something that we are interested in one day being completely vertically integrated uh, for, you know, for our guys, for the for the company. We had awesome. a couple. We, we had a couple of questions here. First one's from Bruce Stark. Uh, do we uh, shout out to Bruce? Uh, do you make cigars for anyone else at your factory? No, we do not do any uh, type of contract manufacturing for anybody else. It is 100% our cigars. And then from Nova, have you considered indoor vertical farming for your tobacco? Possibly down the road. I think it could be something we're interested in. Um, the Condega Valley, someone asked me the other day, if there were green, if we use greenhouses and when I was in the Contega Valley, I didn't see any greenhouses anywhere. Uh, so we're not at that process yet as we grow. Maybe it's something that we could be into. I know when I worked for La Florida Minicana, they have a greenhouse system uh, that Lido uses. He plants everything in the greenhouse. And then when it becomes a certain the uh, growth, they go and plant it into the soil on their farm. Uh, you know, we would have we would have to grow a little bit more to consider that. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's in our plans right now, but could it be in our plans one day? Yeah, maybe. Why not? Yeah, anything's possible, uh, especially as you continue to grow. And uh, we have this mm -hmm. we have a comment from here from Uncle Larry on YouTube. It's exciting to watch this brand grow. This is one of the companies I like to support. Thank you, Larry. <clears throat> and I think it's true. You guys have. You guys have done a lot of growing in the last couple of years. I mean, certainly since I met you, uh, you guys have made a lot of changes, added some things, done some things different, uh, personnel changes. Um, I mean, it's completely different. When I came on board in 2019, uh, I just celebrated my four-year anniversary with McAuliffe Cigars. It is night and day. I mean, it is a completely different company today than it was in 2019. It's a completely different company than it was in 2021. Uh, we are continuing to find ways to grow and become better and create better cigars and a better experience for our consumers. And it's something that we strive to do on a daily basis is figure out more ways that we can bring all the better products to our consumers. And, you know, we, we love the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to preach till the end that we are brick and mortar only. We're brick and mortar friendly. Uh, we don't sell to the big box online guys. We don't want to undercut our, our partners in the industry. It's something that we feel very, very, very strong about. And it's how we're going to we're We believe that's how we're going to grow. And it might take a little bit longer doing it that way, but we feel like in the end, it's going to be the most, uh, most respectable and most profitable and 
most uh, successful situation. I think another uh, big point that maybe isn't as upfront or easy to spot, but a lot of new companies don't always have this, but it seems like you guys try your best to be as transparent as possible, as well as, you know, deliver clear communication, right? Um, Not only just like on a media side, but to the retailers, to the consumer, you know, you obviously have your ambassador program as well. And now with, you know, the whole new banding, you know, you have that as even, you know, trying to create a clear message within your brand. So I think that's another uh, big step that uh, we don't always see with even, uh, legacy companies and uh, or new companies so that that's a really nice thing to see well one of one of the things that we decided early on was we were going to grow uh in two major fashions and that was by being brick and mortar only and the other one was by engaging with our consumers directly and that is evident with the McAuliffe ambassador group that we have we give them all first word, all first news on anything that we're doing. We let them know first before we let even our retailers know, uh, you know, about new releases or different things that we're going and doing. And then we do all sorts of, you know, contests and educational videos. And we do interviews like you're doing right now with industry, uh, you know, people that we want to share their story with our ambassadors and have them learn as much as possible about the industry, not just McAuliffe cigars, because we all smoke various different brands. There's not a lot of people that smoke only one type of brand or one type of cigar. And we realize yeah, that I smoke other people's cigars all the time. And we're not, you know, we're not privy to the fact that, you know, everybody does that. And we want to be able to share as much information as possible uh, with those people. And as far as the retailers are concerned, you know, we're upfront and honest about everything that we're doing. Uh, a few years ago, we came out with a mission statement that said, hey, over the next few years, this is what we plan on achieving. And uh, here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to keep our promise. And we've been able to achieve each one of those. And we we shared that with the retailers back in 2020, you know, during COVID. We said, this is what we're going to do. And watch us we promise we're going to do it and we've been able to follow through with all those promises with the retailers so we want to grow in the best honest way possible we want our retailers to recognize McAuliffe as one of the top you know five or six brands that they do business with and we want them to you know get excited about that and then share that excitement with their customers and consumers and then we do that with the consumers uh, through the ambassador group and they get all, you know, they get excited about it and they go and tell their retailers about it. So it's, it's, it's a community that we've created and we're every day working tirelessly to improve and educate that community. Yeah. And we talk about brands that have had a good reach or connection with the consumer base. uh, And we're seeing more and more of it. McAuliffe has done a great job. I mean, the, the ambassador group alone, not necessarily meaning like the Facebook group, but like the general sense yeah, of the, group in general, the, yeah. the ambassadors um, has been huge. Um, you know, we, we've seen we've seen you guys do a great job with it. Um, you know, the way Abe has his smoke in socialite group and the way he's been able to engage with all well, his customers and his followers and his fan base and the KMA listeners. That's been great. Um, you know, people like Steve Saka. And Nick Perdomo, um, just the way they're engaging with people online, people, they're accessible. People can post stuff, ask them 
questions, they'll respond, they'll answer. I think it's been great to see more and more and more of that in the industry. Um, but you guys have definitely stood out as a leader in that um, connectivity directly. Yeah, we, I mean, we live in a world today where consumers and just people in general are connected. They're connected through social media. They're connected through their devices that are always on them. The phone is always on you. I mean, most people feel naked if they don't have the phone next to them or on them. Very so true. we realize that we need to take advantage of that to be able to grow our brand awareness and our consumer base. And a lot of companies are realizing that. And if they're not realizing that, then they're kind of getting stuck in the past. I mean, we're, we're evolving every day as a, as a country and as a human race. And we always have to think of ways to keep up with that evolution. And one way to do that is, is bringing our ambassadors and our consumers content that they can feel, you know, feel comfortable getting and learn something. And, you know, we do a good job of making them feel like part of the family. Absolutely. You guys do do that. And, um, you know, I haven't been to a McAuliffe event, but, uh, you know, for one of the big things I know you guys do is your open house every year, which has been pretty successful. And I know it's, you know, continuing to, to grow, uh, which right. that's normally in September, right? Yeah, it's always around September 16th. The The main the main thought behind the open house was it was going to be a celebration of the anniversary of us breaking away from big online retailers, which happened. I think it was it was September 16th, 17th, somewhere in there a few years ago. So every year on the anniversary weekend, we're going to celebrate. So we open up our warehouse to anybody that wants to come, any consumer can come, any retailer can come uh, and have fun with us. We basically throw them a party. We feed them. We give them tours of the warehouse. We give them an opportunity to meet each other and all the ambassadors get a chance to meet each other and hang out with each other. And it seems like every year, you know, more events are kind of added on to the open house. And it's honestly mostly stuff that we don't plan that the ambassadors plan. They're like, hey, let's plan a golf tournament. Let's plan a dinner. Let's do this. Let's do that. So it's really cool to see it evolve uh, with the guys. But it is something that we we treasure, and we're very excited to continue to do the open house. Uh, Matt, uh, and you have a open invitation to go. I know Matt has said he, he would like to go sometime. I don't know if uh, this year it will work with uh, the little one coming. But Definitely hopefully- not. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, we'd love to have you there uh, for the open app. Yeah, we'd love to go. Um, you know, at some point in the future, when uh, this year, definitely not. Um, but yeah, some definitely some point in the future. Um, you know, we'd love to. We almost went last year. I think was it last year? I think it was last year. We almost went. Where is it hosted? It's in Texas. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. in Weatherford, Texas. <laughs> Which is where the warehouse is. That's where the corporate offices are. Which it's about it's about thirty minutes uh, west of Fort Worth. Yeah, and I've always wanted to go to Texas too, so it's a good excuse to go to Texas. Uh, Oh, I love Texas. Mitchell, have you been in Texas? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I have not been to Texas, but I would definitely use that as an excuse to go to Texas. yeah, but I mean, one of these years, I mean, we'll definitely be there. Um, 
like I said last year, I think it was we we almost went, but then some stuff came up and we had to cancel a lot of things. But that's okay. Um, and now we have the baby this year. So um, once we are settled in with the baby, then next year is a new year, and some of the extra events outside of our regular attended things that we we normally do, uh, we're hoping to do some some new stuff. So. Uh, yeah, it's something we'd love to get to. Uh, we'd love to come down and hang out with you. I just want to come see Andy. I mean, that's I mean, that's really all I wanted. I just want to come hang out with Andy. You're always welcome to Nashville too. If you're looking for a baby well, moon that, place, well, that's another place. place I want to go. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'd have more fun in Nashville, though. I mean, it's it's Nashville, you know. I mean, how do you? <laughs> oh man, guys, we are we are getting towards the end of the show. Um, you know, I love I love having the show, Andy. I love having you on. Thank you for being here. Uh, very excited to have you here. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, I'm glad McAuliffe is doing well. It sounds like you guys uh, have your hands full right now, and you're gonna hopefully maybe have your hands full this year, which is great. Great for you guys. Great for business. Uh, and it's always mm -hmm. great for the industry. Anytime brands are they get a lot going on, it's great for all of us. So, um, so good luck with all of that. Um, congratulations on your engagement. And uh, to everyone listening at home and watching at home, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for listening with us if you're listening later on the podcast platforms. And don't forget to go and like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from on all of the apps. Uh, as well as while you're at it, head over to SmokingTobacco.com where you can find more news, reviews, and other goodies and oddities from the cigar industry uh, in our news section. And finally... One last shout out to everyone who has donated, uh, whether it's money or prizes, to our Cigar Family Charitable Foundation raffle. Uh, we really appreciate it. We are, uh, what do we have? Uh, we have 20 days to go. We have 20 days to go. Uh, so there's still plenty of time. Don't miss out. Get your raffle tickets now. I put the link in the comments on the video streams. Uh, that will also be in the description for the podcast platform. And you can always go to smokingtobacco.com to find the link for that as well. Uh, or just shoot me a message. I'll send it to you. Whatever you need, we'll get you that link if you're looking for it. Um, and we'll see you guys on Saturday night with me, Mitchell, and William Cooper back at it for Spare Notes. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.